0: technology? Lovely. Okay. The title for our talk this morning is Where is Wisdom? I wonder where you turn when you want to find something out. I suspect I'm not the only mother in the room who is expected to know the whereabouts of PE kits and homework books, know the time of the next bus and weather, what the weather's going to be like a week on Friday even. When we've got a question to solve, my young friends usually say, oh, just Google it, because the Internet is a great tool, isn't it? There's so much information right there at our fingertips. If you're a little older or of a different disposition, a good book might be the thing you reach for to help you um, in your search for understanding. Or you might look for the advice of an expert, someone with experience who's faced the problem before. Looking out at you, I know you to be a very clever bunch. You've got degrees and qualifications galore between you all, you know. You also have a wealth of experience. How to mend cars, work radios, Build houses, bake cakes, solve all manner of problems, and enlighten me as to all sorts of things that I really don't get. But is that wisdom? I know a young man who was bright, but troubled, and not doing at all well at school. In desperation, his mother sent him off to visit a young friend who was studying at Oxford University, and she took him to her college library. There, he held in his hands a book that had been written in 1024, just before the Norman Conquest, really. The awe that that inspired in him made him realize he was throwing away an opportunity by not using the abilities he had. Now that library was full of information, both ancient and modern. But I think the young friend that delivered him there was full of wisdom. T.S. Eliot wrote, all our knowledge brings us nearer to ignorance. All our ignorance brings us nearer to death, but nearness to death, no nearer to God. Where is the life we've lost in living? Where is the wisdom we've lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we've lost in information? You see, it seems quite possible to fill our heads with information, but somehow to lose track of wisdom. This poem asks where wisdom is to be found. And what a beautiful poem it is. Thank you for reading it, because it really was quite long. I particularly love the image of the miner dangling, I I see him in my head tied by his foot, dangling and swaying on his rope, trying to access these precious things deep beneath the ground. For weeks now on Sunday mornings, we've been wrestling with these three rounds of energetic argument and discussion between Job and his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar we've wrestled with them as they have sought to understand job's suffering why do bad things happen to good people it seems so unfair the debate in the book of job has come a bit a bit stuck and job offers us a bit of relief by responding with this lovely poem it has a much quieter, calmer tone, and it's such a balanced and crafted piece of language that it's often referred to as a hymn to wisdom. Where can wisdom be found? It asks. Looking at the question from various angles, in essence, it concludes that however deep you search, you won't find wisdom because that belongs to God. It's not a new idea in the Bible. It's a thread of thought that's echoed through the Old Testament wisdom literature, particularly in the book of Proverbs, where we see wisdom personified as a woman, deeply connected to the physical world, and used in creation, but unable to be grasped by the human mind. The poem begins by admiring the skill of the minor. Which, when you think about it, was a really impressive technical achievement in an era era when things like space travel and mobile phones had not even been thought of. The first six verses talk about refining silver and gold, mining ore, iron ore, smelting copper, mining sapphires, You see, things like grain and foodstuffs are relatively easy to get out of the ground. But gold and gems take great skill to dig up, and it often creates devastation in doing so. The author is really impressed by mankind's skill in doing all of that. It is for him the biggest technological advancement of the age, and he feels that it's even more impressive than the courage of the lion or more amazing than the wonderful eyesight of the eagle but he's bothered he knows that skill is not the same as wisdom either where can wisdom be found wisdom of course is a precious thing it's more precious than gold or silver precious stones. I read yesterday that the world's most precious diamond is called the pink star and it was sold in November 2013 for 51.7 million pounds. Can't even imagine who has that kind of money. But even that could not buy you wisdom for true wisdom belongs to God, says the writer of the book of Job. Different cultures in different times have their own idea of wisdom. We in 21st century Britain are no different. You only need to turn on the TV or to pick up a magazine like the one Simon had last week to be offered lots of wise, worldly advice. So many people would like to tell us what we need to do to be happy and wealthy and successful. If we buy the right car and wear the right clothes, Vote for the right political party. Invest with the right bank. All we'll be well, they say. Or maybe we need to follow the right diet. Send our children to the right school. Live for ourselves. Have a set of life goals and pursue them single-mindedly. Where can wisdom be found? Quite counterculturally, however, when we get to verse 28, it tells us that in God's view, the fear of the Lord is wisdom itself. The fear of the Lord will bring us back to an attitude of love, of respect, and of adoration towards God as a foundational habit of mind on which we build everything else. I'm sure Alistair will tell you that getting the foundations of a building right is key to success. The book of Proverbs urges us to pursue wisdom. It's an urgent injunction. But the world's wisdom is not God's wisdom. For that, we need to look to Jesus. God made man. Jesus fulfills the lovely images in Proverbs of wisdom personified. A woman, a master craftsman, a favorite child. If you've got time this afternoon, do look in Proverbs, there's lots about wisdom. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And if we want to see what godly wisdom actually looks like, we should examine him. The one by whom and through whom All things were made. Isaiah prophesied that the wisdom of the Messiah would seem like foolishness to the world, and that is exactly what happened. Now, if I were to design for myself someone to be my savior, I would probably be looking for somebody capable and strong and clever just like the Jews, in fact, who had in mind a rather um, impressive military leader, a sort of kingly figure. In short, they were on the lookout for a superhero, a sort of Jewish Captain America, if you can picture that. But that was not God's plan. In his infinite wisdom, he chose a different way. Jesus by whose power we are restored, healed, renewed, and redeemed. Confounded the wisdom of the world by willingly stooping to serve. He chose to make himself weak. He willingly gave up the glory and power of heaven and chose to take the form of man so that he might be punished in our place for the sin of the world. In his wisdom, he chose to serve, not just on a Sunday or in his spare time, not just with the peripheral parts of his life that were not particularly public, so not embarrassing, and not either just in the moments when he would be noticed and so look rather good. Jesus who rightly had the power and authority, chose to give it all up, to serve God with his whole self, both living and dying. For as we're reminded in Corinthians, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. If you want to know what wisdom looks like, Then look to Jesus. He is our model and our guide. Wisdom is, in fact, a spin off, an incidental byproduct of our love and our adoration for God. All that's needed is for us to admit our utter dependence on Him. And we will find wisdom because God is not looking for superheroes. We don't need a fancy outfit. We don't need a supersuit. We don't need to be strong or perfect or capable. We need only hearts that are devoted to God, hearts that are completely in love with Him. He's looking for humility. If our hearts are attentive and listening to the call of God's word and determined, to fall in line with what we find there, then we will find wisdom, and God will move in our lives. Now, you might be inclined to say, well, maybe so for some people, but not for me. I'm not good enough. My life is a mess. I don't have qualifications. I have this problem and that unfortunate circumstance. Well, perhaps you saw the sketch on Comic Relief Night, the panel interviewing for National Treasures. Did anybody see that? It was really quite amusing. In exasperation at their inability to find anyone good enough to be National Treasure for 2015, for Great Britain, Miranda pointed to a picture of Hugh Laurie, and she said to Stephen Fry, are you sure he won't do? Stephen Fry said, oh, I'm quite sure if you knew what I know. And everybody laughed. Now you may be feeling a bit vulnerable like that today. You might feel that if people knew what you were really like, they'd be appalled. You might think, if God knew what you were really like, he wouldn't want to love you. Well, the truth is, he does know. And that is the you he really loves. Romans 5 verse 8 reminds us that it was whilst we were still sinners that Christ died for us, just to show us how much he loves us. As we gather around the table this morning, we do so to remember the wisdom of our Lord that confounds the wisdom of the world. He chose the weak to make us strong in his strength. He chose the foolish to make us wise. He led by serving and he offers us new life because he gave up his own life to die on the cross. He is not looking for perfect candidates, for ready-made saints, but rather for broken, humble human hearts through which his glory can shine. I'd like to share a poem, I have read it here before, but it speaks to me quite clearly of this subject. If your heart yearns for a more it doesn't know, if you've suffered blow after blow and can barely dare to lift your head, if you've ever wished you'd rather been, if you've bled or tried to bind a wound, if you've cried, then tied a knot to choke the flow of hope before it can open up, a way to disappoint you again and leave you broken, then this is for you. If you've longed, if you've wronged, if you choke on the words to your favourite song, if you need a doctor, or you're beyond medical help, then come. If you're cracked, if you're splintered, if your winter is too long, if this winter is just too long, but the thought of spring is terrifying, then come. Because Jesus came for the broken brother and sister, the ache, the pain, the blister, the wrong decision, the open wound, the blurred vision, the won't ever hope again. Jesus came for the insane, the unfulfilled, the searching, the street child, the tramp, and the urchin, the poor little rich girl snorting coke and cursing, and the man who sold it to her. Jesus came for those nursing a need, nursing a drink, out of control, on the blink, on the brink, falling overboard and about to, sobbing at the kitchen sink, Jesus came for those the world drives mad, for the bad. Yes, the bad. Jesus came for the bad. So if that's never been you, then fine. Just go, because Jesus didn't come for the well, the swell, the hell, I've got everything I need, the nothings lacking, the non-cracking up. He's not interested in courting the sorted, he came to fill the cup of the thirsty, the worst, the broken, the burst open. Jesus came for the sick, the packed up, the cracked up, the smashed, hopes dashed, the picked on, the meek, the weak, the stuttering, those who blush when they speak, and the walked out on. Jesus came for the left behind for the cheats and the cheated, the ones who crossed the line and the ones who don't even know where to begin. Jesus came for the people who know how it feels when you say sin, for the broken to open, to break for those who choke, for the people who don't have everything we need, for the ones we know we need hope. Where is wisdom to be found? Might I humbly suggest, today we can start looking at the foot of the cross. As I was praying before the service, I really felt this phrase is important for someone. Today is the day, okay? Today is the day to bring your brokenness and your failures to him as you receive bread and wine at communion receive again his forgiveness and know his love for the real you whatever it looks like whoever you are we invite you to come amen